Hi, I'm Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa. Welcome to the audio podcast of my show, Be My Guest. I've invited some really interesting people to visit me. Some are old friends and some are new friends. We'll share stories that will hopefully amuse and inspire you. And you're invited too. How fun is that? I love to invite interesting people to my house for good food, great conversation, and lots of fun. The amazing singer and musician, Nora Jones, is someone I have long wanted to meet. Wow. And she's joining me for a day at the barn. Ina has asked me over to cook with her, and I could not say no to that. I'm welcoming her with my bourbon chocolate pecan pie. We're talking about her incredible early success. You felt like you've been invited to somebody else's birthday party? And then I ate all the cake. (laughs) A major career decision. I didn't think that everything I did was going to be gold Mm -hmm. uh, to the public. I just had to make it gold for me. And maybe a little kitchen drama with her husband. The first year we were together, we smoked a turkey together on the grill. We almost almost broke up. (laughs) Then we're hitting the kitchen, making easy chicken in a pot with orzo, and heading out to a historical East Hampton house with a musical past. How fabulous is that? So glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Nora Jones is coming. I listen to her music all the time. And I understand she likes pie, so I want her to be happy. So I'm going to make her my bourbon pecan chocolate pie. So good. And it starts with brown sugar. And then white sugar. Flour. And a teaspoon of salt. This is such a crazy, delicious pie. So while I mix this together, let me tell you what I know about Nora's amazing life already. Nora Jones is one of the most successful singer-songwriters of all time. Born in New York, Nora's parents separated, and she grew up in Grapevine, Texas, with her mom, a concert producer. She was estranged from her father, the renowned Indian sitarist Ravi Shankar, reuniting with him only in her late teens. Nora learned to play the piano and sang in the church choir as a child, moved to Dallas so she could attend a performing arts high school, and went on to study jazz piano at the University of North Texas. When Nora was just 20 years old, she moved to New York and was discovered while performing at bars and restaurants. At 21, she signed with Blue Note Records and released her first album, Come Away With Me. It was a massive runaway hit, sold 27 million copies, and won her five Grammys. It was a whirlwind rise to fame. Nora went on to release many more successful albums, including Feels Like Home. She won many more awards, including four more Grammys. It's no wonder that in 2000, Billboard named her the top jazz artist of the decade. She's collaborated with some of the biggest names in the business, even starred in a movie, My Blueberry Nights. These days, Nora lives in New York with her husband, fellow musician Pete Rem, and their two children. Such an interesting story. I know I'm just going to love her. Okay, back to the pie. Next is the wet ingredients. It's really simple. I just pour melted and slightly cooled unsalted butter into a bowl, along with two extra large eggs, pure vanilla extract, good bourbon, and whisk it all together. Next, I'm going to pour the wet ingredients right into the dry ones. I love a recipe. Everything goes in a bowl. Really simple. No mixers, no equipment. Just a spatula. This is often known as a Kentucky Derby pie because I think they serve it at the Kentucky Derby. But since I never go to the Kentucky Derby, (laughs) I like to make it at home. You can really smell the southern bourbon. Okay, that's all combined now. Now for the good stuff. Chocolate chips and roughly chopped pecans. 
and just stir them right in. I love the texture of this pie. It's sweet, it's surprising. It's better than a pecan pie because it has chocolate. And that's the filling. I hope Nora's gonna love this. I'm on my way to Ina's now, and I've loved her for so long. She even taught me how to cook, and she's got a great recipe to show me. This is gonna be a great day. So this is my shortcut. I use store-bought pie crust. It's actually better than homemade. It's a little less rich, and it's better with a filling. So I'm gonna crimp it, I'm gonna fill it, we're gonna have the best pie in the world. The crimping is straightforward. I just go around the edge with a floured dinner fork, then I pour the filling into the crust, smooth the top, and that's it. Okay, into the oven, 350 degrees for 35 to 40 minutes. Can't wait. We're almost here. This is where Ina lives. I can't wait to meet her. It's Nora. Oh my goodness. Hi. Nora. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you. Oh, thank you for, for coming to East Hampton. Me. I'm excited. <laughs> Come, I'm, I've made pie. Oh, <laughs> First thing in the morning, that's what you want is pie, right? Well, if you made it, yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. <laughs> I made pecan pie. Oh, it's nice. a It's a bourbon chocolate pecan pie. If that's not sweet enough for breakfast, oh is gosh. that good? That's great. I love pie crust. I could just eat pie crust. Just pie crust? I, I love pie crust. It's got yeah. all the major food groups in yeah, it, right? exactly. And a little ice cream with your pie? Okay. With your breakfast pie? First it's got. <laughs> That's so great. You know, I have to tell you that Jeffrey and I have this little apartment in Paris. Ooh. And the first thing we do when we walk in is turn the music on. And Come Away With Me is the first song. That's so, so funny. So when I, when I arrive, I always think of you. And I never, I, you know, we had never met. But it's interesting to be in people's lives. It is, and yeah. And you don't even have any sense of that. Same with you. I'm pretty sure you taught me to cook about, about really? 18 years ago. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, when I first was learning to what cook. What made you decide to start cooking? Um, well, I was an adult, and I thought maybe it was time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was home a lot. It was after a big, long two-year tour, and I... Uh, <laughs> I think I know which, which one that was. <laughs> yeah, right? I was exhausted. <laughs> and I just sat in bed and watched cooking shows constantly <laughs> until I finally learned how to cook. Thank you. I think cooking is really about making a home for yourself. Exactly. I think that's why I, I wanted to do that. I like that we're starting with dessert. <laughs> I know, I do too. And you know what? At some point, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so how about we take these to the table? Okay. I have so much I want to talk to you about. I'm so excited. <laughs> Nora, cheers. cheers. So happy to see you. You too. <laughs> Do you remember what the first things you ever cooked were? I remember making uh, a meal for a boyfriend when I was 20. Yeah. And it was a cream of mushroom soup dumped over rice aroni. <laughs> so, and, and canned green beans. And he was like, okay, this is cooking for you? <laughs> I think that's when I finally like started realizing that I had no idea that that wasn't cooking, then there was a problem. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I mean, it so, was fine, but yeah. it was like not a, a meal you make for your new boyfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, you did what you could do at the time. I thought but, it was fancy. But also you learned from it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. 
<laughs> yeah, he made fun of me for that. Let's start with the beginning. So you grew up in a small town outside Dallas. Yeah. What was it called? Grapevine, Texas. <laughs> and your dad, of course, was a famous musician, Ravi Shankar, but he was living in India. So it was just you and your mom together, right? Uh, yeah. I was born in New York City, mm -hmm. and we lived on like 23rd Street in Lexington until I was about four. Yeah. And then we moved down to Grapevine. Texas, and it was a small town when we moved there. Was that culture shock for you, or you were young I enough? I don't remember. I think I was just yeah. so little. Yeah. I barely remembered living in New York. When did you start to sing? Church choir. And how old were you? I was four or five. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I always sang. I loved singing. Yeah. And so uh, when I was five and we were in Grapevine, I, I joined the children's choir. Wow. And do you remember the kinds of things that you were singing? Yeah, actually, I went to a Methodist church, mm -hmm. um, but the choir director grew up Catholic, and she was teaching us all these Latin hymns, which was kind of unique. Hmm. And so that was kind of funny. But somehow in this process, you developed your style, which is, if I'm not mistaken, it's jazz, it's pop, it's country. Is there a little Motown in there? Where did, where did those influences come from? My mom loved music, and she had a great record collection. Yeah. And she listened to a lot of Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin and Willie Nelson and Dolly. And then I got really into jazz in um, junior high. Mm -hmm. And she rented the Smithsonian jazz collection that, that they had just put out. And I, I ate it up. You oh, know, I just loved imitating Billie Holiday. And, yeah. and I loved Bill Evans. And then I went to um, a, this performing arts high school. Mm -hmm. And I was like a jazz piano major or whatever, you know. And then I went to college as, for the same thing. Right. And then I moved to New York. Tell me about moving to New York. I met some songwriters in, in Texas who lived in New York, mm -hmm. and they told me to come visit. And I, um, I had a friend of my mom had an apartment I, we uh, sublet. Yeah. And so a girlfriend from college and I, moved, we moved up there for the summer. And for the summer. For I the like summer. That. <laughs> I did sell my car. Um, but um, yeah, it was technically for the summer. Mm-hmm. And so, so did you, how, do you, how do you get music gigs when you're in New York? I, I had been in a, a band in college, and it was really fun. It was kind of less of a straight-ahead jazz band. But mm -hmm. um, I had a demo tape. Ah, so uh, you would send out a demo tape? No, I would take it to the... I would go around and bring it to people. To, to places that had um, clubs or to recording studios? to restaurants. <laughs> to restaurants. Yeah, oh, I mean, I knew that, lovely. like, I feel like I went out and saw a lot of music at clubs, and mm -hmm. I wasn't really even there yet with bringing tapes to the clubs. Mm -hmm. I, I mostly just needed money, and so I, I sure. um, took the tape around to some restaurants, and I got a couple restaurant gigs. And, you know, you start meeting musicians, and they start calling you, or you start subbing for people, mm -hmm. and that's kind and of... And I imagine doing a restaurant gig is great because you not only get paid, but you also get dinner. I did. Am I right? I have a funny story about that. <laughs> Actually, I, I played this one restaurant that had really great jazz, and it was a beautiful French bistro, and I knew the food was going to be great. And I hadn't <laughs> eaten all day because I, you know, I still didn't have any money, and I think I was just banking on that big meal. So I got there an hour early, like at five, <laughs> yeah. before we played. My first time playing there, and I, I asked if I could get my my musician meal, and he said, no, no, you don't get it till after you play. And we didn't finish till midnight. And I was like, so hangry and so angry. I was just like, I'm very mad. I was very upset. And I never played there again. That's outrageous. So there you were, you were playing, I think you were doing like 
jazz brunches. Yeah, I did a lot of jazz brunches. And then one day in the audience is not a music executive, but an accountant. Yeah, she was the wife of a friend, and um, she worked at a record label Mm -hmm. at EMI. And she asked if she could set up a meeting for me with Bruce Lundvall, who Mm -hmm. was the head of Blue Note Records. Were you just stunned? I didn't really have high expectations. Mm -hmm. But um, Bruce wasn't really sure, because I was pretty young. I was still kind of finding my thing. Mm -hmm. And I had just started writing songs and, and playing with some friends. And so he gave me some money to make demos, mm-hmm. more, more recordings, just so he could decide if he, if he wanted to sign me or not. And the first song we recorded for those demo sessions on the first day, and it was all one take because it was just one of those magical takes, and it was Don't Know Why, my friend Jesse's song, which wow. became my breakthrough song. Wow. And so we went and re-recorded the album after he signed me, and, but nothing beat that demo, so we used it. So is that, was that first album, Come Away With Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. That, yeah. Was, that was the one. That was the one. <laughs> I so got lucky. Was... The first album ended up being sort of a mix of a few of the demos, three of the songs I recorded, mm-hmm. and then maybe like half of it was new after that. This reminds me when, I'm, when, we're, when we used to use Polaroids when we were photographing my books, and we would set everything up, and then we would take the Polaroid, and then put it aside, and then take the camera, the photographer take the camera, and actually take the yeah. photograph. And we'd kept, we would always look back at, that, uh, at the Polaroid and go, but the Polaroid's better. Exactly. What's, what's different about it? There's something that's less Photoshopped, less edited, less thought about, yes. and more emotional. Exactly. And that, um, that just feels right. And people get the difference, don't they? they you you just they don't, feel it. They don't it. think about it. Yeah. They just feel it. And then when you start thinking about it, it gets, it, it loses that magic. Overcooked. Overcooked. You overcook it. <laughs> so Come Away With Me came out in 2002, 2003, the Grammys. Yeah. And you're nominated in eight categories, which is like unprecedented, right? It I mean, was weird. Huge. <laughs> so you're in the audience. You just keep hearing your name over and over and over again. You won five personal Grammys and three more for, for the, the album, for the album yeah. itself. How did you feel? Is it scary? Just thinking about going up on the stage. Yeah, I mean, by the end, I was almost, like, embarrassed. Why? I, I felt like, oh, sorry, it's me again. <laughs> you know, I just felt kind oh, of Oh, that's so you, Nora. That's really lovely that you felt for everybody else I just, when they were rooting yeah. for you. I mean, you know, awards are a strange thing for, it, for music. Awards for any art is a strange anything. concept. Yeah. But um, it sure did make my career go even more nuts after that. So, it's, right. it, you know, of course I'm thankful for it. But at the time, I, it felt like weird. Am I right that you said you felt like you'd been invited to somebody else's yes. birthday party? And then I ate all the cake. <laughs> But it, I mean, it was all so fabulous. I felt like the album was everywhere before the Grammys, and then after, it was just like, oh my gosh, exploded! It was crazy, just exploded. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that came to you after the Grammys was everybody wanted to collaborate with you. Oh, I mean, yeah. am I right that Ray Charles? How did the Ray Charles um, recording come about? Well, he was he was making a, a duets album, uh, and um, he was sick. Also, oh. it was it was right at the end of his life. And I got a call asking if I wanted to talk to Ray. And, and were and you be like, on the, what? <laughs> well, they said, asked if I wanted to do the album. I was like, 
uh, uh, yeah. Uh, duh. <laughs> I, you know, um, and then he called me on the oh. phone. So I, oh. I got to talk to him on the phone. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I brought my mom. My mom went to see Ray Charles when she was in high school. Oh. So she had loved him forever. So okay. I grew up on him, mm-hmm. listening to him, of course. Mm-hmm. So I brought my mom, which was nice. And she was just so excited. And um, we got to record the song together live. And the band was all live as well. Wow. So we just played. You just had a good time. I got to hear him sing from three feet wow. away. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Your mother must have been just out of her mind. It was, a, it was one see. of the moments, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think that was also one of those true things that just felt incredible. And you won another Grammy for it. Yeah, and it was so fun to get to meet him and, and play music with him, yeah. And so then you went out, you, you sang with Keith Richards and Dolly Parton. All the people I grew up on. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I've, and what does that collaboration bring to you? What is that? Does that change your music or is it just fun to do? It's just fun. But mm-hmm. I, think, I, think, um, I think with music and with any art form, whatever you do informs it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think every collaboration I've ever done has informed something, even if I can't tell. You know, I feel yeah. like it all kind of helps, helps you grow. I think collaboration involves asking a lot of people a lot of different things and just going, now that's a really good idea and I'm going to do it in my own way, Yes, which um, just helps you grow. It's people who don't do those collaborations just end up doing the same thing over and over again. I think for me, like after that first album, all I wanted to do was write songs and make Mm -hmm. more music. I was just getting started writing songs, you Mm -hmm. know, And, and I couldn't wait. I was really into bluegrass at that time. And the, so the second record had a little bit more of a country flavor. Mm-hmm. And, and what just, was the title of the second? Uh, Feels Like Home. Feels Like Home. Yeah. yeah, I love that one. Love it. Absolutely love it. It was fun. Yeah. And it, it's different, you know, from the first album. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And that's all 10 million. Oh, God. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was just incredible. <laughs> incredible. So after the, after the second album came out, if I'm not mistaken, you were overwhelmed with all uh, options. And you were asked to do things that just didn't feel right. Yeah, I feel like when things got kind of bananas, that's when... Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you start, you know, there's that tipping point where you feel like you're running on a treadmill mm-hmm. to get all this good stuff, but you're not enjoying it mm-hmm. anymore. So I, I sort of put the brakes on a little bit. It's it's a really hard time when, when you have... I think it's, I you know, I had... A whole career where I had a specialty food store, and then I didn't know what I was going to do next, and I thought maybe my career was over, and and then I ended up writing cookbooks, um, and I I realized that my career hadn't even started yet. Yeah. But I was really in my fifties. What happens when you're in your mid twenties, yeah. and you've got this enormous success? Do you feel like you want to? There's enormous pressure to continue it. I felt like the success of the first record, and you know. The second one, to a lesser extent, but it was still kind of crazy, mm-hmm. um, was not something sustainable for me. Yeah, and I felt like not not making that my goal. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized that my goal wasn't to achieve the same success every time, mm-hmm. I tempered my expectations. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that everything I did was going to be gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the public. I just had to make gold for me. So that from the time that you're 24 until now, you've done everything possible to keep your life real. So now, what's your life like now? You, you, um, you have two kids. Mm-hmm. And some, as somebody said, you can scrub Google all you want. You'll never find their names. So oh. you've been very successful at that, having yeah. a private life. I think if you just sort of go on your way, 
um, in a certain way. I never really went to openings or premieres or red carpets mm -hmm. so much. Yeah, so I was never really out there in that way. Mm -hmm. And if you're never out there in that way, then you're not going to have to take it back. And I think also, I think it's really important. People know you from your music. Yeah. They know your story from your music. And they know how you feel. They don't need to know anything else. Yeah, I right? agree. I feel like that's the best way for me to connect to people. Mm -hmm. And you do. So what's a great day for you? You wake up in the morning and you just go, oh, today's going to be such a great day. What is it? Oh, gosh. Like? I don't think I ever wake up saying that, but, <laughs> but that's a good way to wake up. I think for me, a great day is when I get a nice long walk. Mm. If I get a nice long morning walk, I like mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just kind of clears your head. Yeah. Or you, do you think about what you want to figure out what you want to do during the day? I think, um, you know, for a long time, I would always be listening to a podcast or to mm -hmm. music. And then when I stop doing that and I just walk without listening to anything, mm -hmm. it becomes a little bit of like, a, like my mind gets to run mm -hmm. through everything and then kind of calm down a little bit. I think, feel like, like when, you, when you're listening to something, you don't see what's around you. Yeah. You're just, you're in, in your head. Yeah, it made me feel more present. Yeah. And it was a good thing for me to just take the headphones out. And, and is cooking part of your... Every day? Is that something you do often? <laughs> yes. I feel like a great cooking day is a great day. Like mm. on a Sunday, making like a big Sunday dinner, mm. you know, that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you have time to like be slow with your chopping and listening mm. to music in the kitchen. So what do you cook on Sundays? On Sundays? Yeah. I mean, I am just, I could eat spaghetti with meat sauce like a bolognese every meal. <laughs> so I try to sneak it in every chance I get. But I feel like a good slow roasted meat is a good thing for on Sundays mm. too. Mm. Something you can sort of low and slow. That's great. Yeah. My husband's also a really good cook. Oh, he is? So yeah. do you cook together? Well, <laughs> we fight if we try to cook together together. The same thing. Like <laughs> one has to do dinner and one has to do dessert. We cook together but separate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah differently. Yeah. Yeah. The first year we were together, we smoked a turkey together on the grill. And you we did? almost we almost broke up. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened? So we learned our lesson. It was actually great. It was just it was just uh, I don't know. It was stressful doing the same dish together. But we love making, you know, divvying up who cooks what. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So your dad was Ravi Shankar. Do you bring any of his Indian heritage to your, to your table? I love Indian food. Yeah? Yeah, it's so good. My, my dad and I reconnected when I was 18. And, and I mean, he lived to, to 92. So wow. I was so lucky that he, he became an old man. And I got to really spend some time with him. And my stepmom happens to be a great cook. So she's taught me um, how to make quite a few dishes. I love Indian food, so I totally get it. I do, it. too. I, yeah. I, um, I make a really good dal, mm -hmm. which is just so simple, the lentils. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like my go-to for a healthy lunch. <laughs> I like to have it in the fridge. Have you had any cooking disasters? Okay, yeah. Actually, one Thanksgiving, uh, when my, my, I was pregnant and my husband had the flu. Oh, and it was Thanksgiving? It was Thanksgiving, and we had invited, like, four of his friends, four of my friends. We had, it was actually, maybe it was, like, 
12 guests we had. Oh, so it was a Friendsgiving, you know. Yeah. And people brought stuff, but we had decided to make most of the main dishes. Yeah. And, um, but he was in bed. He couldn't come down at all. Oh. So, so I, you had to make the entire dinner yourself? Yeah, which I could, but I got a little crazy. <laughs> and, um, and then at some point, my friend's boyfriend came to help me carve the turkey. I asked him to carve the turkey, and half the turkey was raw. Oh. And I was like, you know what? Just carve the cooked bits off, and I'm going <laughs> to pop it in a stock pot and boil the rest, and nobody has to know. So luckily exactly. nobody got sick. Didn't Julia Child say that? Yeah. Nobody has to know what's nobody going on in the know. kitchen. <laughs> yeah, they were all in the kitchen, but that was probably the biggest disaster. I but. invited friends once to come early, and we were going to make Thanksgiving dinner together. Uh, and I thought that would be really fun. You know, yeah. it would be like part of the party. We'd have, you know, a cup and glass of wine and, and cook together. <laughs> yeah, but it was all guys. Get... Oh, okay. And <laughs> they ended up in the living room watching the football game. Oh, and then you had and to do And I had to cook the entire Thanksgiving dinner before Thanksgiving. It wasn't like I could plan anything in yeah. advance. Never did that again. Yeah, I'll never do <laughs> yeah. everything again. I yeah. like to divvy it up. <laughs> <laughs> so are we cooking something? I hope so. I think I'm going to teach you how to make chicken in a pot with orzo. Oh, that sounds good. Which great. is so good, and it's all made in one big pot. Oh, one pot. Oh, that's, that's the best. That's like a real family meal. Yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> Does that sound good? Yeah. Come on, let's go cook. All right. So the first thing is, I'm going to let you do it. How's that? Oh, boy. Yikes. <laughs> so we need a couple of tablespoons of olive oil in the pan. So I have a chicken. And in order for it to sear, what I do is I take the chicken and just pat it dry with paper towels. Ah. Because, of course, it won't sear. It'll just steam if that it's wet sense. on both sides. Just like that. I love this dish because it's just so easy. You make the whole thing in one pot and just serve it. It becomes kind of soup and dinner at the same time. Okay, so this goes in, breast side down. Shall I hand it over to you or should I put it in? You do it. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm going to sear it on the breast side for about five to seven minutes, just until, until it gets nice and browned. And this is one of the key things that makes this dish really good, because when it sears, all the flavors get into the pot. Did you season it with salt, or you don't even bother don't yet? Even, I'm going to season it later, and it's all going to seep in together, because ah. it all cooks together in okay. one big pot. Okay, so I'm just going to wash my yet. hands. I'll okay. be right back. Don't go away. Okay. <laughs> I'll watch the chicken. Watch the chicken. <laughs> okay. So what's your go-to one-pot dinner at home? I do like chicken thighs, like seared and with rice. Yeah. In so that's pot. not that different, this chicken with orzo. Yeah. Because when you have kids, they have certain things that they like and things they don't like. They, right? Mine don't like anything. They don't like <laughs> right anything. Right now, but well, I feel like they would eat this because they like pasta and rice. And, and, and you said you're an expert at dal. Tell me first oh, what yeah. dal is. Dal is uh, red lentils. Mm hmm. It, and um, it's, it's almost like a side dish that goes with every meal in India, I yeah. feel like. But um, it's, it's just a nice, simple lunch, dal and rice, red lentils, some, some spices. Yeah. Um, and, it, and does it cook for a long time? No, it's like 20 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. So it's easy, and it's kind of soupy, but it's kind of hearty. So it's, it's like stewy, and it's just very satisfying. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so how's our chicken doing? I think it's ready to turn over. All right. You want to turn it over with all the right. tongs? All right, buddy. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Here, I'll hold it. Oh, it's hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just flip that little guy over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Perfect. Yeah. See, see, the browning really yeah, just yeah. gives flavor to the whole pot, which is fabulous. When you're on the road, do you 
Um, is there something like a routine that you have for yourself before you go on stage? Is there something that you eat that you know is going to give you energy? Not really. I try not to eat too close to the show. Yeah, I, that I get. <laughs> yeah, but I actually, when I tour in the States and I have a, a tour bus, mm-hmm. um, I take a little rice cooker with me and I make doll. I made doll in the um, bus. Really? For yeah. me and the band, just to have something that's not like fried. Because it's just hard to eat on the road yeah. and control and, and be, be uh, healthy. Yeah, because yeah. I, I know even when I'm going on stage to um, do a talk, I just don't want to eat before yeah. because it, your stomach goes go 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 go. Yeah, you don't want to like burp on the mic. <laughs> so we're just going to check on the chicken. How's it doing? Okay, so do you want to take it out? How's that? That's one big chicken. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm very weak. I'm perfect. Oh my god. <laughs> Good one. Okay, so now I'm just going to add a little bit more oil if you need it. Just a little bit. A lot of fat in there from the skin. Yeah, that's what makes it delicious. So good, yeah. And then we put in leeks. Okay. How about if I hand them to you and you okay. just <laughs> dump them in? <laughs> and fennel. <laughs> Ooh, fennel. Okay, so fennel is something I never cook with. It's you know I'm not crazy about raw fennel, but I love that kind of like yeah. sweet anise flavor of I the love that cooked smell. fennel. Mm. Yeah, I just yeah. forget just to buy it. it. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. I, I love fennel and celery. Mm. Big pieces of celery. Chopped carrots. The ones that your children are going to take out They'll of the... T- yeah, make sure they're big chunks so they can fish they them They can out. find them, right. And then stir them around with a wooden spoon. Okay. And that's just going to cook until they're really tender. Yeah. And then we're going to add liquid. We're going to put the chicken back in. We're going to put seasonings in, like saffron. Mm, I and love it's saffron. all going to cook together. I love saffron, don't yes. you? It just gives that little heat to something. A little specialness. I think it's going to be really good. So I'm cooking with Nora Jones. What a great day this is. It is. <laughs> We're making chicken in a pot with orzo, and we've got the vegetables all cooked, and the next thing we need is a little garlic. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, you always need that, right? But you don't want to put it in earlier because it burns. Is that Ex- Exactly. Okay. So I, I cook the vegetables first, and then I cook the garlic for literally just one minute. Okay. So that's just going to stir around. Smells great, right? It smells amazing. So now I'm just going to put the chicken back in, just slide that big guy in. And just get all the juices, too, because that's where the flavor is. Okay, now we want to fill it with liquid. So I'm going to start with stock. And I have warm stock. This is good homemade Mm, chicken stock, which, of course, has the best flavor. And then I want to kind of submerge the chicken in liquid. So I'm just going to add some water to it. Just enough, so maybe like the breastbone is just a little above it. Ah, okay. I think we need a little more. It smells so good. Doesn't it smell good? It I smells mean, it's amazing. So, so kind of um, nostalgic, just chicken and vegetables. And, <laughs> and then, the, then when you put the orzo in, it absorbs all the flavor. So, yeah, that's good. It takes a lot, doesn't it? It does. Okay, I'm going to turn up the heat. Now for the seasonings. This is the good part, right? Yum. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put in some saffron. S- smell that. That is fancy. So <laughs> saffron is the stamens of crocuses, yeah. which is why it's so incredibly expensive. I know. But it, a little goes a long way, so I'm just going to do a pinch of saffron in it. And it just gives, well, you know, from Indian cooking, it gives a little heat, doesn't it? Yeah, beautiful. I you don't have to it. put it in milk. I heard you had to put it in milk. I don't. It's great with risotto, you know, things that it just kind of permeates that. Yeah. Okay, and then... When I put in herbs to a stock, I always, what I do is tie them together. Ah. So you get all the flavoring in, and then you can just pull it out when you're done. Okay. So I've got thyme, I've got dill, and I've got parsley. And that's just going to go right in here. I like that. 
And then this is the place that I season things. So I'm just going to do a lot of salt. I just want, particularly chicken stock. Have yeah. you ever tasted chicken stock before it's salted? Oh. It's just like dirty dishwater. Yeah. And yeah. then if you um, salt it right, it, you just taste all the vegetables and the chicken and everything. And some pepper. This is going to be so good. Okay, so at this point, I'm going to turn up the heat, bring it to a boil. Okay. And then I'm going to put the lid on. Put it in the oven, 350 degrees for about an hour and a quarter. Ah. But I don't want to wait around for an hour and a quarter because I'm incredibly impatient. (laughs) So I have another one. Okay? So let's put the top on. And we'll take out the one in the stove. Oh, this is a big guy. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) And this one should be done. Whoa, this is equally heavy. Want to take the lid off? Ah, it's <laughs> going to be so good. It's so good. That smells and just, incredible. It, and see, it's got lots of stock, so it's almost like a little soup. Yeah. And it's chicken, and it's perfectly it's cooked. It's going to be so flavorful. Okay, so this is the trick that I told you about, is you take the herb bundle, and you just take the whole thing out. Otherwise, you'd have to Perfect. fish all those stems out, which would be really oh, annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so and good. now what I do is I turn this, the stove off. And I take orzo, and I just put it in. You just cook it in just the stock. Cook it, just let it cook by itself. It doesn't. You don't doesn't, even keep the heat on. Don't even it's keep just the so heat hot. on. Just let it sit <gasps> for twenty to twenty-five minutes. And that way, it doesn't. And overcook. it cooks itself. So you want to put the lid back on? Yeah. Okay, with a mitt. Be careful. Okay. It's hot. <laughs> and in twenty-five minutes, we're going to have the most delicious one-pot dinner. I hope I you love wait. it. I can't wait. <laughs> So I'm making chicken in a pot with Nora Jones, and the wait is almost over. So you want to take the lid off? Right. See if the orzo is done? Oh, it looks... Oh, look at that. You know, you put a very small amount of orzo in, but it puffs up when it cooks. Oh, yeah, I was wondering. It looks small. And you can see. And one of the things that I think people don't do, which I think is really important, is to taste it just before you serve it. Oh, okay. Make sure. Make sure it's good. So you want to taste the the stock and see if you feel like it's perfect. Good. Well, that's because you're a good cook. Just make sure the seasoning's right, because at this point, you can still change it. That's true. Very hot. It's delicious. And the saffron makes it so special. Just that, you're just not even aware of it, but it just gives it a depth that's just really nice. It's not a typical chicken soup. Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) Isn't that great? Okay, so let's serve it up. How do you deal with the chicken? I'll show you. I just actually pull it apart. It's so tender that you can just pull it right off the bones. Okay. And then just serve a big piece in the middle of the plate. Or you could shred it if you prefer, but I kind of like big pieces. It always looks better, doesn't it? Yeah. And then I'm just going to take a ladle. And put all the vegetables and the orzo. Got my spoon ready. You got your spoon ready? You're all ready? <laughs> You're ready for anything? Look how good this looks. Isn't this great? It's beautiful. And it's just everything you need right in one bowl. And I'll show you the other thing that I think is really important is how you garnish it, I think, makes such a difference. Because it's the first thing you taste yeah. when you bite into something. And you just want it to taste really, really Delicious. And it looks so pretty. When you sprinkle pretty? a little green yeah. on the top. Exactly. So for this, I'm going to put two things that are in it. One is a little sprinkling of dill, just like that. And I always like to finish something with salt. 
Ah. And, and I like flake salt, like English mm -hmm. flake salt, just because you can see it and it looks delicious. Can I just say I love cooking with you? I love cooking with you. It's just so much fun. Okay, after we finish this, a little treat for you. Uh-oh. I'm going to take you somewhere I think is really special in East Hampton. Ooh, fine. Does that sound good? Yeah, I'd love okay. to. Okay, <laughs> right after we finish all of this. Mmm. The mm. chicken's tender. Mmm. I love these historic properties because I think it kind of grounds East Hampton in the history, which is important. And this house belonged to the family of John Howard Payne's who wrote Home Sweet Home. So they oh, called okay. it that. Yeah. <laughs> Home Sweet so, Home Museum. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. I just love it. I love the gardens and I love oh, everything so nice. about it. Come right in. What a cute little <laughs> fence. <laughs> Isn't this beautiful? I love yeah. all the, the wisteria on the house. I love it. And the roses and old boxwood. So pretty. Just beautiful. And the windmill, ah, which they moved here. It's so pretty. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. And I love this pergola. Isn't this wonderful? Those are real grapes. <laughs> real grapes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you think they made wine out of it then? Probably. <laughs> I love these little old houses. Look how low wow. the ceiling is. So to low. keep it warm, probably, right? Yeah, probably. And the red fireplace. It's a nice it's incredible. <laughs> they probably did all their cooking right there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, and this, I don't, it's, it's English. It must be like Staffordshire or yeah. transfer wear, or I'm not really sure, but I'm, it's beautiful. I know nothing about that, but it's beautiful. <laughs> so I can tell you anything. You can you tell me anything, it? I'll believe you. <laughs> oh, look how little this room it's is. So it's incredible. Everything was so small. Was it because people were also smaller? I think they were. <laughs> they were our size. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we fit in here perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this must be, this is Ooh, beautiful. What a great I love room. The fireplace. And a piano. Will you make you feel right <laughs> at home? <laughs> oh, look, it's Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. <laughs> Not the Motley Crue version, right? No, like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the 1700 version. Whoa, it's out of tune, though. <laughs> Very out of tune. Okay, I have a pop quiz for you. Uh oh. Are you ready for this? No. Let's go into the dining <laughs> <Yes>. room. <laughs> So why don't you sit there? Okay. I'll sit here. Okay, you ready? All right. <laughs> okay, first question. What's the movie you've seen the most? Oh, uh, probably, probably Elf. Elf? Elf, because I watch it every year many, many times. That's not great. Yeah, I usually watch it Thanksgiving night to start off the Christmas season. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. What's the food that makes you happy? Spaghetti with meat sauce. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, it's the best. What's the worst job you've ever had? I don't know. I think I got lucky. I've mostly only only good music, job. Even but in high school, you never had a bad job. I had. I worked at a French bakery. Yeah. In high school, but well, I liked. That's not a bad job. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, probably mopping the floors of that bakery was that, not the funnest. That. What's the best job you've ever had? Uh, the one I have. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that great? Playing music. It's just wonderful. Yeah. What's the best present you ever got? Ooh. Um, my husband gave me. Um, uh, a joy of cooking, like a vintage edition oh. of it when it, when we first were together. Yeah. I don't oh. think it was a hint. <laughs> he just thought you'd appreciate it. He just knew we, we loved to cook. Yeah. 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 The last question is from a very famous French interview series. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive? 
Would you like a martini? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hope he says exactly I, that yeah. to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> when I was trying to f figure out what I wanted to do, Jeffrey said, do what you love. If you love it, you'll be very good at it. I would say, you've done exactly oh, that. I think that's the best it. advice. <laughs> Isn't yes. that the best advice? Yes. I've so loved talking to you. It's just been so much fun. Me too. Thank you for coming. We're friends now. <laughs> We're friends now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> Thank for having you, me. That's great. I'm leaving Ina's now. We had such a great day. I'm definitely gonna make the chicken and orzo. I did bring some leftovers home too. And um, I feel like I made a friend for life. So that was awesome. Well, that was amazing getting to know Nora Jones. It's certainly gonna be even more fun listening to her music now that I know her. The chicken in the pot wasn't bad either. <laughs> I hope the leftovers are just as good. What a world-class great day. Thank you for listening to Be My Guest. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have a moment, I'd love to hear your comments on Apple Podcasts. I'll be back next week with new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you'll join us. 